Welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org. Great. Well, it's lovely to see you all here. Well done, all of you have made it. I know that often I get wheeled out for the talk on sex. Just going to say that. And I also know that some people avoid this talk. So well done, all of you. You are very brave people. So uh, that's got you worried, hasn't it? So um, anyway, as Nick mentioned, we're doing this uh, series on Proverbs called The Way of Wisdom at the moment. And I personally think it has been absolutely excellent. If you want to catch up with some of the talks there on uh, the website and various other things, I can't remember what version it's on, but I'm sure you'll be able to look at it. We've been looking at wisdom, what it is, and uh, what what type of people look wise or look foolish. We've been looking at speech and how what we say reveals what's in our hearts. And then last week we talked about money, how we can use money as followers of Jesus. Now, buckle up your seatbelts, hold on to your hats. We're going to talk about sex. So there we go. I've said it in church. Um, so, you might be sitting here thinking, oh, I hadn't realised Vicky was going to do this talk. I'm a little bit concerned about this. So it may be that you're thinking, well, this isn't for me. I'm not in a, in a relationship. Or you might be thinking, well, it's not for me because I'm in a relationship and I'm happily married and I don't need to hear anything. Or you might be saying, I'm not... I am in a relationship, but for some reason, sex doesn't happen. Or you might be saying, well, I'm not in a relationship, or I am in a relationship, but actually sex is happening outside of that relationship. So I'm going to apply these, this talk to all of you. So if you're one of those people who's in one of those camps, just hold judgment for a bit. I would love to know your thoughts at the end. Do come and let me know. I'm sure there'll be some people delighted, some people offended, and that's okay. So let's start off with a bit of background. What is the book of Proverbs for? It says in Proverbs 1, 3, the Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Not just disciplined lives, not just successful, but disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just and fair. And just to let you know, the baskets are going round. Nick has remembered that one. Thank you very much. So it is really hard, though. It's hard to live a disciplined life. It's hard because sometimes choosing to do the right thing actually causes us pain. Sometimes choosing the right thing can cost us our jobs. It can cost us our relationships. It can cost us our reputation. Doing that discipline thing, the right thing, doesn't always feel so good. Now, that reminds me of a quote from Andy Stanley, and I love this quote. It's very clear, it's very practical. Andy Stanley says, character is choosing to do what is right. Choosing to do what is right as defined by God. Not, oh, what I think is right, regardless of the personal cost. Character is choosing to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of the personal cost. And Proverbs is about that, is about giving you wisdom so that you can choose what is right 
no matter what that cost is. It tells you what is right as defined by God, not defined by what's on social media, not defined by your neighbours or your friends or your family, but defined by God. So my aims for this morning, my aims are that first of all, you would know in terms of your relational situation, what is right as defined by God, that you would be able to recognize if you've fallen short, that actually Jesus is the answer to that. And that maybe you would decide to follow Jesus with your whole life. And that as a result of your relationship with Jesus, with this loving, graceful Jesus, you would identify what steps you can take to stay on this path, this path of holiness, regardless of the personal cost. And as I said, this path is the path of holiness, of being right before God, of coming to the end of your life and God looking at you, looking you in the eye and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. So I'm aware that when I do this talk, there's probably a whole load of guilt in the room. There'll be people who'll be saying, well, gosh, I've made some mistakes in the past and, uh, you know, they're hidden away, but I'm aware of the power of them over me. Or you might be saying, I've made some mistakes in the past and they're really obvious to people. There's guilt there. There might be people who've been abused in the room. There might be people who are abusers. And I just want to say that we're going to speak to all of you and we want to pray that you would know Jesus' presence in that place. Because the thing is, our past cannot be changed, okay? Our past cannot be changed, but there is Jesus. Jesus comes to forgive and release us from the power of our past. He can give us a new life. That Jesus that we follow is our savior, and he can release us from the power of that past. He doesn't just take our past away, but he gives a whole new life to us. Now, if you're not sure if you've ever decided to follow Jesus, if you've ever decided to give him your whole life, now today is going to be one of those opportunities. If you say, well, you know, I've been to church all my life, you know, my family are Christians, just want to address you right now and say, have you ever personally given your whole life to following him? Have you said, yeah, Jesus, I want to do this for you? If, that's, if you're like, mm, I'm not sure if that's the case, and you're thinking, well, I'm a bit embarrassed because everybody here knows I come to church, that's okay. I'd really encourage you this morning to have a good think about it and think, do I need to give my whole life to him? Maybe I need to give my whole life back to him because I'd started to take some of it back. Now, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm going to tell you about a girl. I'm going to call her Edna. That's not her real name. She's a 15-year-old girl who's um, from a local school. Now, like many 15-year-old girls, unfortunately, and boys, um, at the moment, she was having regular sex with her boyfriend. And uh, she was feeling the pressure. That's what she felt like everybody did among her friends. And she was having regular sex with her boyfriend, as was her friend having sex with her own boyfriend. And she decided, Edna decided, that it would be quite funny to take some inappropriate photos of herself and send them to her friend's boyfriend. 
And this was found out. It is an illegal thing to do, and it was reported to the school. And unfortunately, well, um, the whole school, it felt to Edna like the whole school turned against her. Now, if you're 15 and you're at school and you're not having a good time, that can feel like hell on earth. She was going to school, she was struggling, she felt like everyone was looking at her and judging her. So, if you have a think about this, she's falling short in the eyes of everyone around her. What would you say to that girl? Just have a think. What would you say to that 15-year-old girl who's made a bad mistake but is struggling? She's young and she's impressionable. And that is what the book of Proverbs is about. It's about a father speaking to a son. Okay, remember this. It's about a father speaking to a son and giving them wisdom to get through life, to be able to step forwards. It's about a father speaking to a son about having good character, the will to choose what is right as defined by God, no matter the personal cost. So why would we do this? Why would we decide to choose what is right? Because when we hear this story, we're aware that people like Edna, it broke relationships, it broke up the community, and it caused a whole heap of pain. So God doesn't want that for us. So what does God define as right in terms of our sex life. God created sex to be a precious, beautiful, wonderful gift, full of joy and laughter. But it's also a very, very powerful thing. And it has been abused in this world and causes all sorts of pain and suffering. Because of this, God created sex to be contained within one situation and one situation only, to protect us and to protect others and our community. God created sex to be contained within a covenant made by two people when they commit their lives and bodies to each other in marriage. It's a gift to be given at a time when both give consent, when both are able to communicate with each other. And God's plan is that married couples have regular sex until they die. Okay? If you have a problem with that, if you're worried, if there's any physical issues, we would love to pray with you. And we're aware that all sorts of things can get in the way of that. And we're not, we don't want to you know, cast any problems on you or put any guilt or any burdens on you because we are aware, all of us, we're not perfect. You know, it may be that we're struggling, we can't see so well, and we want to pray for you about that as well. We want to pray for wholeness for everything. So bearing in mind all of this, what does Proverbs say about sex? Now, just to say again, it has been written by a man, by a father speaking to his son. So it does have a certain bias when we read it. So be aware that when you look through Proverbs to talk on sex, it talks about keeping away from immoral women. Okay, it's written by dad speaking to his son. It talks about keeping away from immoral women. Now, it doesn't say 
keep away from people who've had some sin in their lives, who've made some mistakes. Immoral women are those women they identify as people who want to lead you down a path that is not the path of holiness, the path that God has take, wants to take you on. Immoral women or immoral people or those situations are ones that take you away from that place. So we've got a few Proverbs here. You might want to note them down. We are not going to read them all. So you've got Proverbs 2, Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6. All of them have the same theme, immoral women. So if you've got a Bible, what we're going to do is just look at one of these passages. Grab your Bible or your phone or whatever. We're going to look at Proverbs 5. That's one of the bigger passages that talks about this. So let's start at Proverbs 5, 1 to 3. So remember, it's a father talking to his son. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment. Imagine if somebody said of you, oh, that's someone who shows discernment. That's important. Read the book of Proverbs, get some discernment. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you have learned. Then it goes on to the immoral woman. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. So what's the first thing we learn about sex from this? Well, sex feels good. It feels good, it's exciting. Within or outside of that marriage promise, sex feels good, okay? Unless you've got a background problem. Sex feels good, but it is not a healthy place. So the problem we have in our society at the moment is a lot of places say, well, if, feels, if it feels good, then you should do it. Unfortunately, that is a reason that we have heard and uh, we've heard from various places a lot of abusers give. They said, well, it felt good. That's what any red-blooded male or female would do. That's why God puts those boundaries around sex. We need to make sure that we keep sex within that marriage promise. Now, Jesus taught us something shockingly different than if it feels good, we should do it. He taught us that neither sex nor marriage are significant for our flourishing. He taught us that joy comes when we know our identity through God. That peace comes when we learn to express our attraction in love to God and our neighbor. We can get joy and peace, not from sex, but from living within that kingdom and showing that kingdom love to others. So back to Proverbs 5. Where do we go from here? So sex feels good, but sex also brings pain. It carries on to say, but in the end, she, that immoral woman, is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her, feet, her steps lead straight to the grave. So it's clear. It feels good, but it brings pain. So the pleasure of sex is short-term. And sex outside of a healthy marriage promise being, brings pain in the end. The thing is, when you have sex with someone, you connect with them. Many people see sex as a way of securing a relationship. 
And the problem of that is that that relationship is based on fear, on lack of communication. And that, I would say, is not a healthy relationship. Some people say, well, we have sex because that's what everyone does. I would question that. And actually, I think a lot of people choose not to. And I would say, what is defined as right by God, no matter what is going on in your community? So just like that 15-year-old Edna and her friends, what I would advise to her is come back, look at what God says, look at what God defines. So we recognize sex feels good, and sex pills feel, uh, gives, brings pain when it's outside of marriage. But what else? How can we do, what can we do about it? Well, Proverbs 3, no, Proverbs 5 goes on to say, stay away from her, okay? It's good fun, feels good, it brings pain, so what do we do? We stay away from the situation. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose Honor. The best way of following God with your life is to be self-aware and say, what are those situations that take me away from that path of holiness? What are those situations that take me away from what God has decreed for my life? That doesn't mean shun people who have got problems in their life. doesn't mean shun people who are struggling. Now, Jesus gave astonishing prominence to known sexual sinners and social outcasts. And as people following Jesus, we should follow his example. We're talking about keeping clear of those situations that might lead you away from your relationship with God. So, practically, what are some next steps? First of all, I want us to trust God with our whole lives. Trust God with our sex and with our relationships. Often we're taught to trust in ourselves or trust in what we hear outside. And you know what? That leads to anxiety and pain. Now, do you remember last week, Nick talked about money and told us about this passage, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So we need to learn to trust God with our sex life, with our relational lives, with all that we have. Because his decisions and his definitions are there to keep you safe. So what are some practical things we can do? Okay, those of us in the room who are married, invest in that relationship. Proverbs 5.18, go and read that together later on. This is a really important one. Invest in your relationship. Bring out the best in that relationship. It says, let your wife, we could say wife or husband, be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. It doesn't have to be the wife of your youth or the husband of your youth. It could be the wife or husband of your later life. So what you give time to is what grows. If you give time to your relationship, it will grow better. If you're not investing in your relationship with your spouse, who is? Or what are they investing in? 
If this is you, your next step might be something like to arrange time to spend together, to read through this passage, um, or to be able to just sit down and say, I'm going to talk with my spouse, learn to appreciate them, be thankful for them, and tell them, tell them that you appreciate them. Okay, so whether you're married or unmarried, get rid of all pornography out of your life, okay? This is stuff that destroys your soul and your relationships. Pornography trains you to start looking at people as objects. In Matthew, oh, I haven't got my glasses, 5.28, Jesus addresses the issue saying, I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman or man with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He goes on to say it's better to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye than be tempted to go down that route of looking at people as objects or things that pull you away from that path of righteousness. Pornography trains your soul that a real body isn't good enough, that one body isn't good enough, and that your spouse's body isn't good enough. So if you look at porn, first of all, stop it. Second of all, go find somebody you trust, somebody who you respect and trust in Coventry Vineyard or outside, get them to pray for you and get help if needed. There are counsellors, there are therapists, there are all sorts of people who can give you help. In fact, if you've got any sexual sin in your life at the moment, get someone to pray for you, get help. We're here to pray for you, we're not here to judge you. So... Next one, if you're having sex with someone and you're not married to them, see, we're going to cover all the bases today, aren't we? Um, Decide, do you want to pursue that life of holiness or do you want to pursue that sexual relationship? It's a bit like when Nick was talking about money last week. You've got one master. Which one are you going to go for? Are you going to go for God as master or are you going to go for your own pleasures? You need to decide. As it says in Hebrews 13, for marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure. What is the marriage bed for? It's for being married, for the married couple to be able to enjoy their life and their relationship together in sex. Now, just going to touch on a little bit of a point here. I've talked to many couples who will say to us, well, you know what? We're We're committed to each other bit of paper, that doesn't change our commitment to each other. Okay? I would say to them, well, go and get married then. Honestly, I've checked out today. Do you want to know how much it takes? Because they're like, oh, it costs a lot of money. It costs under £150 to get married today in the registry office. I checked it out this morning. So I will drive you personally if you want to go and get married to somebody and because you want to sleep with them. However... I would also say to you, if you're concerned about that relationship and you don't want to invest in it because you're worried about it, come and talk to somebody. Get out of that relationship. Don't be having sex with that person. Get out of bed with them, okay? Because we need to keep you safe. Okay, C.S. Lewis. Okay, this is going to be a tricky one. C.S. Lewis had a great picture for what this looks like. He said... The person who wants to have sex with someone without marrying them feels about their partner a way, the way a bulimic feels about food. 
The bulimic loves the taste of food, but doesn't want the calories. And they taste the food, they enjoy the taste of it, but then they vomit it back out. That's what the person is doing. They're saying, I love the taste of you, but I don't want to commit myself to all of you yet. I want to have sex, but I don't want to fully unite myself to you. Go and get married. If you're sharing a bed with someone, make that choice. Are you going to commit to that relationship or not? Because you and I know that, yes, you're saying, yes, I'm committed to that relationship, but you and I know you could walk out at any moment if you haven't decided to get married. Okay, next one. If you are not married and not having sex, you might be saying to yourself, well, my main aim is to get married. Surely that's what it is all about. Remember, the most fulfilled, most alive, most joyful person who ever lived never had sex and was single. That's our Jesus, just in case you weren't sure. Marriage is not the ideal, but it is only one option. Now, Jesus never seemed to want marriage for himself. He never seemed to want it for others. And in fact, he even replaced the creation mandate of having lots of children with a new mandate to multiply by making disciples who made disciples. Often the church has held up marriage as the ideal, the ideal way to live in community. But what if we as a community can show people that something is different, that our Lord and Savior came, lived in community, and was not married? So whether you're married or whether you're single, or whether you have things in the past or whether you don't have things in the past, we can show the world a better way. We can show the world a path of pursuing Jesus, that path of holiness, of trusting in him, trusting in our Jesus, the one who welcomes us, no matter what we've done or what we haven't done in the past, the one who can wash away all of our sin, the one who loves us enough to call us to that radical life of holiness and of following him. And if you've never made that commitment to trusting in him with your whole life, I want to give you that opportunity right now. It doesn't matter what's gone on in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done. He welcomes you. He wants to give you that new life. He wants to free you from shame and guilt just want to finish with the end of Edna's story so she's messed up she's all alone and then suddenly one morning she gets a text she gets this beautiful gift another girl texts her and says I know you've made a mess of things and I don't want to judge you on this I'm still prepared to be your friend what a gift and you know what Jesus comes and he says I know what's, what's gone on in your life. I'm coming now. I want to be your friend. Thanks for tuning in today. We would love to connect with you on a Sunday morning soon. Bless you and have a great week.